Back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Yeah, hi. Hello. Alan Crab. It happened, Brian. You noticed I I uh you know I didn't sing my normal thing like I normally do. Why is that? Because you're just so excited to get into your Alan Crab points, your hot <laughs> your hot crab takes. No, it's because people are giving me guff on the internet again. You know, ordering me around like it's a goddamn Grubhub order, and it's not. You know, it's not. This podcast is not. You're seamless. You, no, you, it is. It can be. Honestly, it's going to change. Every literally, the, you know, it can. People, you could send. It's amazing when this happens. I, you know, uh, you could be on Twitter. You could get emails saying people saying the nicest things, twenty of the nicest things, and then one mean thing. It's like it just, just rocks your world. Anyway, sorry, Alan Crab. What are we talking about? We're talking about Alan. We're talking about Crabby Patties. Alan F. Crab. Uh, the Nets have made another big move, another mysterious move that came out of the darkness. Sean Marks has traded for Alan Crab, giving up Andrew Nicholson, and that is it. That's the trade. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Brian. So I don't know about you, for my first just general reaction about it was I was expecting a first-round pick of some kind being attached to it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a mild disappointment there. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it's they're dumping a guy who wasn't going to do anything for the team for a guy who they wanted and obviously wanted and may end up doing something for the team. So so should we talk about the fact that we recorded a podcast? Not, <laughs> you know, I don't know how, how long ago was that? It was at noon today. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then that news here. broke. And we had specifically talked about Andrew Nicholson. <laughs> The first time in since we got him for for at least a hard six and a half minutes about how we there wasn't even well I incorrectly stated that there wasn't any uh, attention about like you didn't even get the fifteen pounds of muscle BS from him this summer where I guess I guess you had read that he had instead he had lost fifteen pounds of flab um, yeah and, which is which is in, in again, the same genre we we had the most Andrew Nicholson Nets coverage in the history of Andrew Nicholson Nets coverage on the <laughs> yeah. day that he gets traded um, yeah. the rest Only of our us. pod Only was us, was pretty much in tatters it was about what they can do with their cap space you know uh, what this team is going to look like going forward but yeah. yet uh, Sean Marks screws us again he honestly really saved us from ourselves because we were just spinning our spinning our wheels about God knows what. Um, so it's pretty. It is a super interesting trade, uh, Brian, and I would like your point on it. Give me what you're feeling and thinking. Um, well, it says okay. So in general, I think I think it addresses a couple of points that people had been trying to make in the these early years, months of. Sherpa Marx's uh, tenure here. One that Marx's uh, RFA offers um, like aren't aren't serious or something, or that he's trying to um, like that that he is somehow disingenuous with these offers. You know, have you been reading this? I, that, that well, it's something sort of I supported. I mean, I thought that there was some element of these RFA offers as being um, that he knew that he that they wouldn't really work, and they were kind of a a, a big show of the nets trying to say hey we're going to sign players 
when they knew that these guys were just going to be locked up by their teams. So, the auto so porter thing, especially. I think this. I think this goes ahead and, and shows you that you're dead wrong, Mike. Dead wrong. I am dead wrong. I mean, the, the Nets are not going to play the luxury tax, but they're going to be pretty close to the salary cap. You know, part. The, this team isn't saving money. That's obvious. So that's the, an obvious. At thing. the very least, it it proves that he actually wants the players he's making offers on, and and if you look at the um. So, you know, going here, here's what uh, a little like a little neat trick that I did earlier. Um, if you look at the players with the highest three point percentage from last year, uh, you will see at the top, uh, which I don't even realize, but Pau Gasol is <laughs> led the league in three point percentage last year. Um, and then Kyle Korver. And then see if you recognize any of these names in the three to six uh, ranks. Ready? Yes. Alan Crabb. Mm hmm. Joe Ingles. Okay. Otto Porter. Uh-huh. JJ Redick. I know all those guys. What what is a what do you did you think that maybe anything was similar or there was anything connecting them about this offseason in particular, perhaps with regards to a certain franchise's intentions and maybe um their desire to offer them contracts so that they could play basketball for them? All in the Nets net uh that they're trying to catch those crabs yeah. in. Thank you. So, so yeah, I mean, like, so first of all, like, just in going into this, you kind of it, it starts to help put some um, a, a it it helps build out the picture of Alan Crabb's value, right? He's a very good spot up shooter um, in the ilk of Kyle Korver. Is he is he uh, has he been asked to do as much as Kyle Korver or Otto Porter? No, he was he played a lesser role, but you know those percentages. Um, are real and should not be taken with a grain of salt. Yeah, but I mean, I so okay. So there's, there's. I've already gone through multiple waves with this trade. I mean, I'll say off the off the top. Generally, how I'm feeling is it is a good trade. We did a Twitter poll on our at BK Glue Guys Twitter account. I got over 100 votes, and it, most people are going <laughs> in between A and B. You know, I'm going to brag here a little bit. Over 100. You votes. love you love uh, how how. <laughs> How no. quick your your Twitter polls get passed yeah, around? Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing really well. Um, <laughs> we should sponsor them and make some money off of them. But so I think you know overwhelmingly this is a positive move. You know, if you're just looking at like the broad strokes of it, again they traded a guy who wasn't going to do anything for the team for a guy who could start, uh, a guy that Marks obviously likes a lot. He likes him so much that his contract, which was not a contract that most teams would even want in in the least bit. A contract that most teams would have to take on, uh, that would desire a first round pick from it to be able to take that on. He basically just said, "Okay, I'll I will alleviate your tax bill, Paul Allen, richest owner in the NBA, uh, for nothing. There's no there's no real benefit that the Nets got as opposed to getting. They just got rid of Andrew Nicholson, and they took on a massive contract. The benefit is they got their guy. They want Allen Crabb. They, they do. Think they can that's, maximize his talent. That's the thing. They they want." actually want Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb waved his trade kicker to play there. There's a mutual affection, you know, that they're fostering, Mike. And he's 25 years old. You said, you know, 44% from three. All that is good and tasty stuff. He's going to fit in beautifully with this team. I do think it is important, though. I, I posted this on our Twitter feed. Blazers Edge, which is the SB Nation's Blazers website, they did a season review of Alan Crabb's season. And maybe it's colored partially by the fact that he has that big contract, but they tore him apart 
This is not mm-hmm. this is not post trade. This is pre trade when this thing was written. Basically, bad defensively, a guy who should have probably been the starting three but could never accomplish that role. But he did play the third most minutes on the, the Blazers. So I think that the whole starting debate that they were having was interesting, that it was sort of dumb because, you know, he should have he played the third most minutes, so he's a starter essentially. But he only, I think, made four unassisted threes. That's sort of my one of my favorite stats to look at. Where your threes you do love that, from. and especially because Demari Carroll's on the on the team now, who is who led the league in unassisted threes. So it, it's like what that means. It means basically that you are completely reliant to get your three point shot on other guys getting it for you. And you know, to be honest, he he's not going to be a ball handler ever. That's just not going to be who he is. If he hits 44% from three again and gets, let's say, two more field goal attempts from three a game, that makes him then, you know, a 13, 14-point scorer. That's pretty good. That's fine. He is bad defensively. I think that's important to point out. Like, he's not – we believe he's good. He's not good. I have to I have to amend what I just said about Demari Carroll's going to drive me crazy because it's not he leads the league in unassisted he leads the league in assisted sorry or he did when he got traded to Toronto um, sorry had to do that um, but like so, it's a yeah, it's yeah. a win you know it's certainly a win right I mean it, so the pro, part of my problem is that I you know Kevin Pelton from ESPN I mm-hmm. I almost take whatever he says in a trade grade and just go to the bank with it and he gave the Nets mm-hmm. a D plus. Um, which mm. I'm, I am a little concerned about. I mean, I think he is now the Nets' highest-paid player. The, t- the three top highest-paid players on the Nets are Alan Crabb, Timothy Mozgov, and Damari Carroll. And mm. their team is constructed, filled with dudes who, you know, maybe aren't that great at basketball. But I don't know. Yeah. It makes them better, right? They are Well, okay, so check. I mean, look at the... So nothing else, it gives us another very interesting project, right? And and if you're a believer in Kenny Atkinson's developmental skills, as many people are, and I'm um I, I wouldn't say I'm a believer yet, but I'm, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that that's true. If you look at the starting lineup from last year versus this year, um, it's almost entire so like even especially in the meaty part of the season where Jeremy Lin's hurt, you're looking at a starting lineup of Whitehead, Kilpatrick, Bogdanovich, Booker, Lopez for like the first half of the season. And then you switch out uh, Foy for Kilpatrick and Levert for Bogdanovich and Jefferson, Hollis Jefferson for Booker. Going into 2017, you're starting, I mean, and then Lynn comes back for Whitehead, yada, yada. Um, going into 2017, you're starting with Lynn, Russell, Crab, Carol, Mozgov, and pretty much moving all of your starting lineup from last year to your bench. Which is going to be like all of those massive. Guys, all of those guys are coming back. They're just coming off the bench, and and that's a super interesting bench lineup now too. I mean, the fact that yeah, it's a it's a bench lineup that actually can do something. I and I don't think you know I don't and we can get into this later. I don't think the Nets are done necessarily just because they don't have cap space. The the book putting together Booker and Lynn in a deal gets you something else. It puts you in a different position. Um, you know, Randy Foy, I think, I don't know when his guaranteed thing has to happen, but he can still be flipped to another team as like sort of a cap filler thing. And then they can immediately renounce his rights. They can do still stuff to this team to make it, you know, different or change it up in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, no, no. And it, and it helps. I think, 
I think I am worried because then I think the the Nets had initially dodged a bullet by not getting Alan Crabb, and now they have him, and he is he improved his shooting by five percent in terms of three point percentage, which is the only thing that matters for Alan Crabb from last two seasons ago to last season. But the problem is, what what's his ceiling? His ceiling is maybe. Uh, you know, slightly more athletic Kyle Korver, but who's yet not the biggest in terms of Kyle Korver is like a high rate worker where Alan Crabb is more less that, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's a super interesting trade. I just don't know if it moves the needle as much as some people want it to move the needle. I don't think it, I don't think it moves the needle outside of you've, you've added, um, Something more, something very interesting for something that was the anti matter of interesting, <laughs> whatever the absence of interesting was, uh, is what Andrew Nicholson was. So another another like little thing that I thought was interesting was that it also dispels the um, idea that GMs are going to be like miffed about uh, those um, restricted free agent offers. Um, oh that yeah, Marks oh been doing God, and like wouldn't, wouldn't work with Marks because this is the perfect opportunity. This is the, like the most obvious and most. Um, this is the platonic ideal of that not happening. This is um, literally so, yeah. the the Blazers admitting that they shouldn't have matched, and right. them. I mean, it's pretty incredible that they're they're actually talk. They they were willing to talk to Sean Marks and say, "Yeah, we will give you the guy that you wanted, and you give us a guy that no one wants, and yeah. we'll, we'll take Crab." Um, yeah, it, and it does. I mean, he fits exactly what they want to do, you know, by hitting a guy who can actually hit threes. He's by far their best three point shooter now at this point. Yeah. Um, I, I think what the most interesting thing to me is not even just the fact that they get Alan Crabb. I mean, he's a massive number, but the fact that like, so we, I think we all think of, at least I think of GMs as sort of their one track minded in the way that like either you're trying to acquire guys to please LeBron or you're trying to tank if you're a hinky and all you're trying to do is tank where I think Marks is more of the mold of Danny Ainge unfortunately uh well not unfortunately for Nets fans but you know we don't like Danny Ainge as much but mm-hmm. Danny Ainge how he built the Celtics was he was willing to not only sort of tank which is what the Celtics did by trading Garnett and Pierce but then they took on a guy like Isaiah Thomas who no one wanted and then they, he was adding assets while sort of creating future assets. And Marks is doing yep. this the almost the exact same thing where he's taking, okay, we, we take Demari Carroll's contract for future assets, but yet at the same time we're going to grab Alan Crabb's contract who we created and we don't dislike and we don't dislike the player to g- then grab him and then hopefully our team will be better. You know, I, I was yep. wondering if Marks was going to slow play it Till when the next get their next first round pick, which is not this upcoming season, but the season after, to essentially yeah. a long tank to get that high first round pick and then speed it up a second. What this shows well, is that Marx is willing yeah. to to do something. Yeah, I think I think what's um, I mean I've thought a little bit about this, but that so from from like a team building perspective, right? And we've talked about how the issue with this team currently was that we want to be this hyper modern um, team and we just don't have good enough shooters. Like there's just not worth ostensibly a three point shooting team, but we can't make threes. So that's the big issue Um, from a pure, like strategically team building perspective. 
you need to begin to do that at some level. Like, are you going to are you going to wait and hope that the players that you draft um, turn into the sort of elite shooters that you need, or are you going to you know make slight overpays in the short term to basically lay the groundwork for your offense going forward? Like, you need it to work enough that you can justify going down this path. You know what I mean? No, totally. Um, and, and to to make your players' growth matter, right? Because right. you know this funny thing I was listening to. It was a Zach Lowe podcast. I think Brian Windhorst, or I forget who it was, but they were talking about how like Kyrie, his point guard growth has been stunted because he went he went three years by himself with Dion Waiters, which was horrible. To LeBron, LeBron taking over the ball, which I like, kind of like was like, oh, so he his career's worse off because he had LeBron. I don't I don't think that's the case, yeah. but like. There, there is something like basketball players have to play the right way to learn how to play the right way or have to play in a certain system that makes sense for what they're supposed to be doing. You can't just yeah. you can't just like hope and pray that like you're you're the perfect moment's going to come around where you can get three players right away that fit your system. You have to be you have to have a system in place and players that fit the fit system to make it actually work. Yeah, it has to work some of the time like for it to for it to take root. If people are are looking towards the coach and being like let's win some games and and nobody's hitting any of their shots and you need and you're running plays for but yeah it just needs to work some of the time in order to build on that thing so so i think like from a um in terms of, and this is a conversation we always have about this team because we're always you know always in the rebuild it seems um the the benthic awful versus the um competitive awful and this is a move towards competitive awful or not or away from competitive awful. I mean, like, <clears throat> I don't know. I've, I've, I've seen people that are pretty optimistic about this and uh, you know, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but uh, do I think Kenny Atkinson can work some kind of magic on Alec Crabb? It seems like just exactly the kind of player that he could work with in, in that way. Like, it seems like if there was a dude out there in the, you know, Damari Carroll, Kyle Korver ilk that could be similarly um, that his, his numbers could be similarly heightened by Kenny Atkinson. Like this would be a, a prime candidate in my opinion. Yeah. And to be honest, like, so what is distracting is a salary figure. And I've seen this is actually, this is a good point of view to take is the fact that what Nicholson was 6 million, 7 million a year. And yeah. essentially you're throwing, you're in, collecting that money into Alan Crabb's contract. Alan Crabb's right. 18.5. So if you subtract Nicholson's contract, which was dead money, Alan Crabb's now a $12 million player. I mean, that's not math. That's not legitimate, really. I mean, your salary cap will look that way, but you're still paying one guy that much money where you could maybe have had two guys for seven and another guy for 12. But but that's besides yeah. the point. But like Alan Crabb fits pretty perfectly with D'Angelo Russell, Jeremy Lin backcourt, right? I mean, we're, we're worried the fact that uh, Lynn and Russell won't be able to handle, they won't each be able to share the ball, right? They're two ball-dominant guards. Well, now they just got a small forward who doesn't ever need the ball, who only scores yeah. off of, a, you know, a pass, basically, right? And a th- behind the three-point line. So they've, they've now added a guy who used to be good defensively, wasn't last year, Really, the Blazers are horrible defensively all throughout, so that's it's one of those sort of team aspect things. And they've added a guy who doesn't need the ball. The only time he needs the ball is when he's going to shoot it. <laughs> and that's pretty much the perfect position that he should be in with this team. And if Jeremy Lin's healthy, 
You're going to have a plus three-point shooter at point guard. D'Angelo's a good overall scorer. And now you have Crab, who's a plus-plus shooter at small forward. Now this team is forming into, as we were talking about, the sort of Atkinson style of running and gunning and pace and shooting threes and everyone's kind of running on the floor. And Timofey Moskov has been practicing three-point shots. Brian, this is huge. This team is going to win 90 games, I think. Um, do you want to invite our friend Chris Axman of uh, the Almighty Baller podcast sure. um, to, to come on the show? Sure. Um, again, if you don't know, Chris is sort of our boss in some aspect. Brian, what would you consider Chris? Uh, he's our uh, village elder. Village elder. Although he's younger than us. And, um, <laughs> yeah, he's in the Tribunal of Elders. And, and no, he's, he's a crab expert, he's right? A self-described. Uh, I, know, I, <laughs> I just know that he's a giant Alan Cramp fanboy, more, more, more necessarily than uh, an expert. Um, so he's going to come in and probably rant about how great Alan Crabb is, All right. which I think is helpful for, for people. All right. When we come back, we'll have Chris Axman with us to talk a little Alan Crabb. Who? <laughs> All right. Well, joining us on the line is Chris Axman from Almighty Bother. Chris, how are you? Hey, what's going on? Oh. Hello. Uh, hello. Beautiful. Oh, hello. Get that, that F sharp, it's tough. It's elusive. You really got to reach. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not as talented, but uh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited. So I'm pumped. You're yeah. here for a specific reason. You are number one fanboy of the <laughs> Alan Crab Fan Club, or the the most appreciator of his basketball game. I don't know. How would you describe yourself in terms of Alan Crab? So I'm a guy who's watched Alan Crab shoot 45 percent from three year after year, and not understand why he's not considered an asset. You know, Daryl Morey, after he signed Ryan Anderson, he made this point, and, you know, he was wrong about Ryan Anderson's contract specifically, but he was just like, we're starting to understand how valuable three-point shooting is, but we still don't totally get it. And Alan Crabb is, is just the perfect embodiment of that. I can't wait till he's playing 36 minutes a game and shooting 12, making 12 threes every game. He's going to average 40 points. Is what I'm predicting. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think that's going to be interesting to watch is that, um, like, how much rope will he be given? How much will Atkinson say, dude, just shoot? You know, because, like, the, I don't think that all that, of the rope that wasn't the case in Portland, right? Because pretty much he would have been on the floor with McCollum or Lillard at some point or most of the time when he was in the game. So uh, the, he wasn't given just free reign to every time he touches it by the three point line to shoot. It's going to be interesting to see. Well, what yeah. that happens when he does get that, you know, room to shoot. Well, so you, you guys do think that he's just going to get free reign to shoot, right? Because I think that's the obvious decision for Kenny Atkinson. I mean, he gave free room to shoot to, like, guys that didn't deserve it, basically. Justin Hamilton got free reign to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So last year on, let's see, how many attempts? 300 attempts, okay? That's a ton of attempts. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out. I'm actually going to see how many that is, but that's probably top 15 in attempts, maybe even higher. On 300 attempts, he shot 45% from three. And it's not like that's out of the ordinary for him. He shot 41.1% over the course of his career, four years in the league. He's 24 years old. He's, like, he's on track to be the best spot-up shooter in the NBA. That's incredibly valuable. Hmm. Yeah, and, and here's an interesting question, and maybe we can kind of talk about this too. This is from one of uh, one of our fans, Morris, at Real Jazz Mock on Twitter, who says, uh, would you rather have KCP or Alan Crabb? 
I mean, we Brian and I raged. I'd rather about yeah, Brian and I raged a debate about KCP where we didn't want him for a while. And I think, you know, KCP has the promise of being a two guard who can handle the ball and score, you know, driving to the hoop and stuff like that. And maybe is a little bit of a better three point shooter in terms of just above average. Where Alan Crabb is, we know what he is. He's a great spot up shooter and potentially well, a decent defender. KCP does a lot of what a lot of the things that we already have a lot of on our team. Like we, we don't need another combo guard. We were ostensibly a team that shoots, like we were saying team that should be shooting threes, but can't hit any of their threes. So you do need to take some steps towards, towards actually making some of your shots. Um, and I know that like, I don't know, K- KCP is, is probably in the similar um, volume and percentage range as, as uh, D'Angelo Russell. So, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, for me, on paper, it, it makes a lot more sense than, than adding a player like that. Or just like it's an, it's an easier fit. Like it's a, he obviously inserts at the three. Now, I think that's probably a stretch well, for a lot of people. But I mean, yeah. There's nothing wrong with KCP. I think KCP's great. It's just yeah. that, again, Alan Crabb is – you can reasonably expect him to be the best shot – the best spot of shooter in the league. That, like, that's nuts. That's more, more so like, than Pau Gasol. <laughs> did you see Pal Gasol's see? yeah three point percentage is like fifty three percent? It's insane. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't I mean, but but I'm just saying like, like Cal Corver wasn't shooting this well when he was twenty four. Right. I mean, players aren't supposed to shoot this well when they're twenty four, and he wasn't even starting. And look, that's reasonable. I mean, uh, basically the Trailblazers were terrible if uh, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard weren't, weren't on the court. So. Uh, are you going to play three? Well, um, I don't think that's the move. So yeah, he plays bench minutes, but he shouldn't be playing bench minutes. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. Like, so you, you have to, I mean, okay. Another thing. So there, then I guess there isn't an obvious like starting role for him. Um, so that creates issues, but playing devil's advocate, is it, um, is it, is it, can you make an argument that he will shoot a lesser percentage playing with, on paper, lesser players. Like, did did Damian Lillard and McCollum take enough attention away, in theory, that he could that would allow him some le- some some distance uh, versus like what you can expect from the attention that Jeremy Lin or D'Angelo Russell gets? Is that even a a useful argument to make? Yeah, no, I I think that's probably true. I think he'll probably have the same effect that Wesley Matthews ran into on the Mavs the last few years, where it, his three-point shooting went down, but if you just watch the difficulty of the three-point shots that he was taking, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was shooting the same shots, he would have hit the same percentages. But, you know, it, it's sort of like how Robert Covington really struggled a couple of years ago from three, shot like 31%. Um, but he was the only player who could average above 15 points per game on the 76ers because they were awful that year. So I think Crab's going to run into some of those issues realistically. But if anything, it's great because he's just going to get good at hitting difficult shots, which is something that he has yet to be good at. He's just really good at hitting wide open shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brian, or not wide open shots, like catch and shoot, like simple shots, you know, Brian, let me throw, let me throw a little bone here. Some of our fans, are we sure Lillard and McCollum are better than Lynn and D'Angelo <laughs> Russell? Are we sure? Because I'm um, not. Yeah. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Lynn's a better defender than all three of them. For sure, yeah. yeah. Mike, I just want to say that notion is insane. <laughs> uh, Mike, Mike likes to. Uh, he's got an ongoing tr- trollish relationship with with um, 
fans of Jeremy Lin where I mean, he does this thing. He, he always, I do this he, thing where he, I tell he, the truth that he doesn't play basketball and they get mad. You're really me. rustling my Jeremy's right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's a D'Angelo Russell element to that pun too. By the yeah. way, uh, Jeremy Lin may be traded at some point, especially at a Kyrie Irving trade. So let's just let's hold the phone. Let's see what happens with that one. But I mean, so you're pretty bullish on this, Chris. It seems like you like you like what you're seeing. I mean, like you you you're overexcited, right? About what what Alan Crabb may do. You think he's worth nineteen yeah, million dollars just because he can hit threes? You think I'm not saying well, that's wrong, but yes, yes, okay. First of all, yeah, absolutely. If you're one of the best three point shooters in the league, you're worth that much money, just unquestionably. I think that's totally a thing. I mean, uh, Ryan Anderson got that payday even though he's just absolutely deplorable on defense and Alan Crabb doesn't have that same problem. Alan Crabb in theory could be a good defender or at least like a mediocre defender. And then you combine that with being one of the best. Okay. Here, this is the way that I think about it. Um, You know, when you, when you think about a guy like Eric Bledsoe, is he more valuable than Alan Crabb? I would say no, because it's like, all right, we have five starters on a championship team. Eric Bledsoe can't be the starting point guard on a championship team. Alan Crabb, I think, could start on a championship team being the fourth guy just knocking down threes. He could be the Kyle Korver easily. I could see that. Whereas Eric Bledsoe is, like, limiting. Does that make sense? No, totally. Yeah. I understand. I mean, and again, we kind of talked about this before, but the fact that, like, Alan Crabb fits exactly what the Nets want to do. He fits in with being able to play off of ball-dominant guards. Um I don't know. Again, I, we talked about this. I don't know if I buy into the notion completely that if you subtract Andrew Nicholson's contract from Alan Crabbs, you're basically only get you're basically paying Alan Crab twelve million dollars a year. I mean, you're still paying him nearly nineteen million dollars a year. Um, I'm worried. The biggest worry is so I went on Blazers Edge and I read the review of Alan Crab's season, and they just talk about how horrible his defense is and how. Pretty much the only thing he can do is hit spot up threes. I'm worried that w- what the Nets are getting is a guy who is flatlined as a really good spot up shooter. There's a war. Like, do you see anything? Like, is there wiggle in his game? Is there ball handling skills? Or is there something that, that you can point to and say, hey, maybe it can be better? I went back and watched some uh, his Draft Express videos from from 2013. Love it, and it's interesting because like the very first he, the the thing leads with uh, length on defense, and it starts with a bunch of his uh, like contesting and blocking jump shots. Like he's got uh, like a six foot eleven wingspan. <laughs> What's that? He's got like a six foot ten, six foot eleven wingspan. Yeah, yeah, he's very he's very rangy. Um, but so, like that was like so his his like. Um, his, his bread and butter, I guess, coming out of college was like kind of being a defender or at least a defensive minded wing um, where, where that's gone. I don't know. But um, but that was that like the, the video led with this as like his number one strength was being like a lengthy defender. Well, I mean, I, I think realistically he was played a ton of minutes at the three He's not yeah. a three, especially with the majority of the season. And it's, it's so hard to judge that Portland defense because uh, Miles Plumley was the worst thing that I've ever seen play basketball. I think that I would have been a better center for the Portland Trailblazers than Miles Plumley. How did you guys birth that abomination onto the basketball court? Like what what we okay, all right. People talking about back, Mason, Mason Plumley, right? Whatever, they're all the same. Um whichever one came from the Nets. Um uh, it's so hard to judge, especially for for a guard that's playing out of position for a three uh at the three 
on a team that has two six foot two guards at the other positions. And I mean, I guess Aminu <laughs> coming off mm-hmm. of an injury. Like, I, I don't know. Pegging that on Alan Crabb to me is kind of rough. Yeah, and I agree with yeah. that. I like, there's like, so if you look at uh, offensive rating, Zaza Pachulia is, I think, in the top 10 in the league in offensive rating. I mean, there's some cumulative effect of these stats on teams that are bad or really good at something. And Alan Crabb is maybe a victim of circumstance in some way. It's not like the Nets, though, are a good off a defensive team. They're not going to be good this year. I mean, I know Jeremy Lin's like the greatest defender of all time, apparently, but <laughs> stop. <Good> stop. <laughs> uh, we'll see, man. No, I mean, I, I'll tell you, Chris, like I was I thought it was interesting when you get the tweets like, you know, you I follow Woj, you know, I get the alerts from Woj and the Woj alert was crab for Nicholson. And I was waiting for that second alert to say first round pick attached to on the on, you know, coming the Nets way. And it didn't happen. I find it interesting that so to me that must mean that the Nets are just super in love with Alan Crabb. That I'm in love with Alan Crabb. I, I think love you him. are. <laughs> <laughs> I I think he's an asset. I I think you know he's one of those guys. So first, nineteen million dollars a year. That's only like six. That's only a mid level exception away from ten million dollars a year, right? And that's a reasonable contract for Alan Crabb. So mm-hmm. it's just like. You know, yeah, I, I guess you were saying that the reasoning of, well, just subtract Nicholson's contract from Crab, while that it while that logic is flawed, if you just think of his contract as like five or six million over what its real value is, and that's if he isn't better than he showed on Portland, and all circumstances would seem to suggest that he's better than he was on Portland. Uh I got lost in that sentence, but the point is <laughs> right. Um I think he's an asset, and I think that's why you didn't get a first-round pick. I think that's fair. He's twenty-four. That's that's what my so my whole point leading into this whole thing was that uh, the Nets like him and have liked him and think they can um, maximize his his potential. And I think that that's this this whole, all of the all of these signs point to that they think that they are the best fit for this dude. Uh, Mike Mike is suspicious of all this, of course, but. What? But I th- suspicious what? of suspicious of the fact that they that like they think that he's going to be really good. That's the point. Oh yeah, I I mean, I I I, I do worry that they're basically getting a very 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 elite shooter in terms of being a spot up shooter, but that will offer very little else in the game. I f- I understand the value in that. I mean, I completely get it, especially for the team that plays the brand of basketball that they're going to play. I just, I feel that there's, you're paying a lot of money to a dude who can only at this point in his career hit threes. I, I was a critic of Otto Porter. Um, I would have thought that signing would have been kind of ridiculous. Otto Porter is getting paid $5 million more. Otto Porter is a much better two point shooter than Alan Crabb is. He is a better defender and he does more in terms of rebounding, not in terms of assists. Uh, but you know, I mean, it, it, this is a move that moves the nets, let's say two notches forward than they would have been before. They, they remove a guy on the roster who was taking up space completely to getting a guy that's a contributor, a guy that fits exactly what they want to do. It's just that, that I can't get that number out of my head. I can't get 18.5, three years left in that contract. I can't get it out of my head. That's just a lot of money that they gave him. Um, to to be with this team. I mean, that. What do you? Th- 
that what do you think the odds are that Andrew Nicholson just becomes filthy in Portland? I know, this? man. Just, I'm telling you. Just, <laughs> just crushes. You know that, right? What? I know. He's he already got waived. Oh, it already happened. No, yeah, he, he already did get on stretch. I guess. Yeah, he's gonna be. Um, he's gonna be. He'll be in Cleveland actually, and be amazing, or something like oh, that. God. But yeah, he's been stretched um, for be like Cleveland's five years. General or manager. <laughs> Cleveland's general manager. Um. Well, so Mike, do you do you at least get or appreciate that he's twenty four? <laughs> His selling point coming out of the draft was defense. He hasn't shown that. But there's reason to think that Kenny Atkinson and the rest of the developmental staff can bring that out of him. I mean, the potential's there, I think. Uh, I, and, you know, all, all you know, praise of Alan crap aside, you know, uh, I, I'm hyping him a little too much. But I think that he's going to be better. I think that he's going to improve. I think that some of the facets of his game are going to come out. You you have to see that right like well, you have to see no the no it, and total and and it's uh, we talked about this but he he waived his trade kicker so that that means that he wanted to be here right and he did an interview with so netsdaily.com, Anthony Puccio during the season I believe or at the end of this season he did an interview with you know netsdaily.com is the biggest Nets website not to puff our chest a little bit but he did an interview with them with Anthony Puccio about basically wanting to be in Brooklyn. When he was still a trailblazer, he wants to be here. I think it is important, too, that Damari Carroll's going to be on this roster with Alan Crabb. Carroll is a direct result of Atkinson's player development skills. Atkinson basically got Damari Carroll paid when he was an assistant in Atlanta. His his knowledge paid off for Carroll, and Carroll became a $15 million player. Damari Carroll will be the next to Alan Crabb and saying, hey, like you should probably listen to coach because coach knows what he's talking about. So there, there is like, there is some hope, but I only, I'm not like a uh, a cult believer in player development. Like I think it only can do certain things. I don't know if it's going to make him a ball handler, and if he's not a ball handler, then there's just a limit to what he can do. I'm, I, well, if, so I, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that because I think Jeremy Lin and the player that he is definitely warrant someone who just hits spot up three spot of threes right all of the time uh and d'angelo i think that in his perfect universe if he works out to be the player that the nets are hoping that he works out to be he's basically some form of james harden right uh again that that warrants a two who's just going to be hitting spot up threes I, I i think you know there's a time and the place for off the dribble mid-range jump shots uh, basically the time and the place is like on your way out of the Eastern conference finals. Cause you're the Toronto Raptors and DeMar DeRozan <laughs> just lost you a game. Um, uh, Alan Crabb does the most important thing on offense, which is spread the floor and hit threes. The fact that he doesn't do other stuff to me is good. <laughs> yeah, no, there is an element to that. Like Brian and I have talked about the fact that like, you know, if you're going to put him on the floor with Lynn and Russell at some point, where if you do play crab at three, you don't need a guy to do anything else, but hit threes. Like I totally get that. And you know, like if what's crab ceiling, Chris, is it higher than Trevor Ariza? Is Trevor Ariza a reasonable ceiling for Alan crab? I mean, he's a better shooter than Ariza right now, but, um, you know, I think like 35 year old Ray Allen, you know, the, the Ray Allen that played like 30 or so minutes on the heat, to win a championship like that that's probably the role that i see him playing and i think that's realistic not even and i mean his best case scenario is maybe like 
Bradley Beal, except not as exp- I, I don't know. His best case scenario is Alan Crabb, except really good. But I think he'll probably <laughs> end up being like a 33 to 35 year old Ray Allen, which again, like he played 30 plus minutes on a championship team. You know, like that's mm-hmm. it's huge. Brad guy, yeah. <clears throat> I think we covered it, man. I think we I think we got a we got a good amount of crab shacking. Um. Chris, you you did have something you wanted to get off your chest about the Nets, how they're ruining the NBA. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you guys remember, plates. Do you guys remember when KD said it's not his fault that super teams exist because it's not his fault that the Nets traded all their picks to the Celtics, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Okay. So what he meant is that the Nets are like fertile manure in which mighty teams like the Celtics and Warriors grow, right? So. The Timberwolves are basically mm-hmm. Nets West. And when in, t- in 2016, when Kevin Love like played lockdown D on Steph Curry, that was a former star for the Timberwolves playing defense on the point guard who was selected seventh overall after the fifth and sixth were used by the Minnesota Timberwolves on Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn, right? So the best player on one championship team and then Kevin Love both provided courtesy of the Timberwolves' incompetence. And so you guys set up the Celtics to be the next great team in the East, and that's happening. As we speak, the Celtics are crumbling, and Danny Ainge is just being a big meme with all of his assets that everyone's making fun of him for. But that wasn't enough for you guys. You had to give the Lakers the cap space to get LeBron James. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, and potentially also foster a – or wait, no – how does this affect a potential Carmelo Anthony to, to Trailblazers trade that is never going to happen, it, it, but that people insist on talking about? It's literally the well, only this this trade was the only way that it could happen because now right. that, now they have well they got a trade exception or I think it's like thirteen million dollars yeah. and they're four million over the tax or something and it's just it's it's so much easier now for them to make this actually happen. I feel like Sean Marks is Anakin Skywalker, and <laughs> I'm like Obi Wan Kenobi saying. You were supposed to be the chosen one. You were supposed to bring balance to the force, right? <laughs> but he did because he just cr- sort of created the Lakers monstrosity that's going to exist soon because Kyrie is going to leave the Cavaliers and LeBron's going to end up on the Lakers and Paul George and Russell Westbrook are going to go too and Bill Simmons is going to cream in his pants and it's going to be the worst thing ever and it's all the Nets' fault. Well, to be <laughs> honest, if we're going to do the Star Wars thing, Marks is more Obi-Wan because if it wasn't for Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan fostering... Anakin. Anakin mm. was not Yoda did not want to train Anakin. He he made it clear that Anakin was too old and he sensed a darkness in him. But Obi-Wan shed that and said, No, I'm gonna train Anakin as a tribute to Qui-Gon Jinn because Qui-Gon Jinn believes so deeply within Anakin. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do this, I think Marx is basically So Mikhail Prokhorov is Qui-Gon Jinn, right? Mikhail Prokhorov is Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, Obi Wan is Sean Marks. Sean Marks is Obi Wan. Samuel L. Jackson is my question. Samuel Jackson. Oh, um, who would have? What is it? What was his even decision? Samuel Jackson's David Griffin because he was he was ended early in his run of alleged dominance <laughs> by by an evil emperor named Dan Gilbert. Um, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um, yeah, man. I don't. I, it is funny how like the Nets seem to not care at all about helping or doing anything that impacts like the balance of the NBA. Like some, like, so Kevin Pritchard famously now has turned down a Paul George deal that would have included 
something like Gary Harris and a couple of other like really good assets just because he didn't want Paul George to go on the Cavs. Like he 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 made a decision sort of that old school decision where we're not going to help our rivals. Where Sean Marks is in such a situation where he's like, dude, we're just trying to stay above water. I don't care if whoever we're helping to whatever moves we're making that it's going to help make a ripple effect down the line for Melo to go to the Trailblazers or some other team like the Celtics to go do another move. We don't yeah. care. We're just going to do like, whatever we're, we're we like can. We're like two injuries away from being a 10-win team. So yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> we're not really concerned about like impacting the Titans in the NBA. We're just trying to stay above the ground level of King's Landing and just survive and long why, enough. That's why you guys are what the Timberwolves were. Right or mm-hmm. what the Grizzlies? That's why what the Grizzlies were thinking when they're like, "Yeah, go ahead, we'll get Kwame Brown, and give Pau Gasol to the Lakers." Like that's mm-hmm. that's the type of thinking that just <laughs> it just gets the Lakers on top again, you know? Yeah. Well, we got to do. Somebody should do. write a song letter. Yeah. All right, man. All right, what are we what are we feeling? Feeling pretty good about our Allen Crab takes. We feel feel they were hot and fresh, Brad guy. Uh, yeah, they were tasty, man. Good stuff. Good stuff, everybody. All right. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. I, I think you brought a lot Thanks of positivity to Nets fans. They're excited now about Alan Crabb. They were. They were excited, <laughs> and now you made them even more frothing at the mouth for the season. Anytime well, we need a, a look around really, the league. I, I would just like to say, go listen to Almighty Ball and NBA show. I'm not a total dumbass. You know, I'm someone <laughs> who knows things about basketball, and you know, I, I think there's a reasonable take to be had. I'm going to I'm going to try to have one of you guys on to to thresh out the the full off season that the Nets just had basically setting up the two superpowers in the east and the west um mm. here soon. So go listen to that because I'm going to have a Nets episode here pretty soon and uh go realize that I'm not completely full of shit just like most. <laughs> Mike, are you uh impressed by Chris's plugging skills as a as an expert plugger yourself? Yeah, that that was way better than I want to do. I usually stumble through yeah. Our email address or Twitter account. So I really appreciate that, and I oh, aspire to be this out, good. Uh, locked on uh, podcast. <laughs> oh fuck! Um, no, no. Wait, no. go check out uh, <laughs> AlmightyBaller.com and the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, so Brian, I think again over. I'm feeling. I don't want to seem too negative about the trade. I don't want to seem too down on Alan Crab. Team is better. Their their team is actually infinitely better than it was before. Um, you know, you sort of did the comparison between last year's roster and this year's roster. It's just a lot better. There's more guys that can play basketball and play the way that they should try to play basketball. So we're just, um, we're just cultivating dudes with upside. And this is just another, another little potted plan to watch grow, you know? And I think it's going to be interesting. He's just 25 years old, turned 25 in April. So he's pretty young. I'm, Excited to see what lineup Atkinson trots out there to begin with. Um, it'll be it'll be good, man. I think I think we may need to have another can the Nets make the playoffs discussion because the, mm. this this does drastically change their team. This team needed a three point shooter and they got one of the best one in the NBA. So regardless of his limitations, he adds that much to this team. Um the offensively, they're going to be pretty tough to deal with, especially because their bench will be a lot better. And if Levert elevates his game, they'll be a lot better and interesting too. Indeed, indeed. Mike, let's tie a bow on this sucker. 
Um, you can find us on netsdaily.com. We have a big interview that we can't really talk about yet, but we have a big interview coming up. Brian, you know me. I like to promise and never deliver. This um, one you might deliver on, though. I hear. Netspod at gmail.com. BK Glue Guys on Twitter. Almighty Baller Radio. You can check out more interesting podcasts about the NBA on Almighty Baller Radio. Brian. Michael. Thank you hey, for joining and, us. And you all out there, thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you.